When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Manchester United weekly podcast covering all things Manchester United. Match previews, reports, reviews, youth roundups, loan roundups and your questions. Hello, welcome to Series 2, Episode 10 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. We look ahead to the return of club football after a dull weekend without it. It's a big game to come back to. It's Liverpool at Anfield, but it's on a Monday night. Weird. Anyway, we'll be joined by Liverpool fan Ollie Emerson later in the show, but for now let's look back at the last week of international fixtures with a bit of England discussion, which inevitably follows with a bit of Wayne Rooney discussion. Our young players have had some excellent performances away from the club too, so an update will follow on them in the middle of the show. So, Jack, let's start with England and then on to Rooney in a second. Did you sensibly steer clear of watching us or have you forced yourself, like I did, to watch another three hours of drab football? Unfortunately, I did. Because of the time difference, I was watching, I was streaming the game during my uh, economics lecture and I can safely say the economics lecture was far more interesting than the game, (laughs) especially the Slovenia game, which was, I mean, just dire, honestly. Yeah, it was... It was pretty poor. No pun intended, by the way, for the, on the, the I just realized that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it was pretty poor. I was just straight in myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it, it was another pretty shambolic 90 minutes of England football. Um, can't say I'm entirely surprised, although maybe the only positive that came out of the Slovenia game in particular was that we now hopefully realize that it isn't entirely Wayne Rooney's fault that England are terrible. And we realize that we have to play Marcus Rashford in every game. Yes. I, yeah, I mean, it is. I, I, was, I did find it quite ridiculous that Jesse Lingard got a start over Marcus Rashford. Not that I don't, not that I don't like Lingard. I think he's a good player. He's done well to get himself in the England squad. And I, 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 I think he deserved to be in there with the players that we had available. But how he's getting a start over Marcus Rashford, especially on the left-hand side, is beyond me. Jesse Lingard did back Marcus Rashford when he got a, a little hand to the face from a Slovenian player. That was... I mean, it's not good to see, but uh, the the Mancunian United lads sticking up for yeah. each other. Uh, a one-word answer on whether you want Gareth Southgate to be the manager of England before we move on to United. Maybe. <laughs> that that was not one I'm of the options. I was sticking on the fence. It was still a one-word answer. Uh, I think I think it depends on the other options. I would I would not be unhappy if he was, if he carried on. Put it that way. 
Yeah, I, I, from the first two games, there's no reason for him to not get it, and there's no reason for him to get it, I think. Yeah. But on what he said, and this isn't what you can entirely judge a manager on, everything he said, I think, has been perfect. And with that, let's move on to the Wayne Rooney issue. And Wayne Rooney basically had his own press conference, or so it was dubbed by most media outlets. Strange thing about this is that he has been dropped before. Uh, even in the Euros, he was dropped. So it, w- it was a strangely huge reaction. I think perhaps because he, because it followed, I guess, him being dropped by United for three consecutive games as well. But he was dropped to the Euros. I just find it strange. I, I guess it's also made easier for Gareth Southgate than other previous managers because he has been dropped at club level. So Mourinho's made it easier. And as you said, it showed that England's problems aren't with Rooney and it goes deeper than just a single player. And the system, because we did change the system because Wayne Rooney wasn't in the team and then we had to bring him on because we were still utterly pathetic without him. I think it was the right decision to drop him. I was impressed with the way in which both he and Southgate dealt with the issue, to be honest. But I don't think he should be dropped from the squad at all because, honestly, the attributes he brings are still important. And yeah, experience is a, is a buzzword now. But I think... Uh, England's top goal scorer, a clear leader in the side. Everyone in that squad seems to love Wayne Rooney. And also, those displacing him at the moment are still awful. I mean, Eric Dyer was, and yes, pun entirely tended, utterly dire. So, I mean, Jordan Henderson had a good performance against Malta, but he was pretty poor, especially his corners against Slovenia. Deli Ali wasn't great. Daniel Sturridge was pretty poor. And all that time, Marcus Rashford was sitting on the bench, probably pretending to be Alex Hunter. Yeah, I, I, it's it's a good point. I think Rooney. I agree. Rooney deserved to be dropped. And I think I think two things made it easier for Southgate. One is that he'd, he'd been dropped at club level as well, um, so it wasn't like it was just Southgate who was doing it. And also because he's a new manager, he could almost and he actually didn't do this to his credit. He could have almost blamed it on experiment in trying to find his best squad. Um, but I agree with you that Rooney and Southgate both handled it brilliantly. Um, I think it could have got ugly if, if they'd have dealt with it in a different way, but they both did very, very well to, in the, in the way that they dealt with all the media scrutiny on it. For me, Rooney should not be dropped from the squad. Because, A, because he, he still does get, like, get in that squad on merit for me. And mainly because of the lack of quality that we have in potential replacements. There is no one else in that squad who, who could, who, who you think, who you think could come into the squad and give us a lot more than Wayne Rooney does. There is just no one. The only the only person who you say would normally be in the squad, obviously, would be Adam Lallana. And and I don't think he would replace Wayne, Wayne Rooney directly. Um, for me, Rooney needs to remain in the squad, remain a figure in the, in the squad. And when he came on, he didn't do anything particularly wrong. Um, all right, he didn't he didn't make a massive impact on the game, but he didn't do anything massively wrong. Um, and things did not get any worse when Rooney came on. So. And and the, the beforehand the the game had been so bad up to all that point as well. It just goes to show that our problems do run a lot deeper than Rooney, especially in midfield. Our, our midfield just doesn't have the kind of penetration that we see from some other countries. Um, and I think having Daniel Sturridge up top with, on his on his own doesn't work because he he drops far too deep and leaves us with no outlet going forward. And and it, and if we're going to play like that, we need someone in the number ten role who will run in behind a lot more than Deli Ali does. Um, and it's not really a criticism of either of them. It's just the way that they play, and that's fine. But we need to find a different combination. I think if Sturridge is going to play, he needs Harry Kane alongside him. Um, I, I think it's just a big mess. But sticking to Wayne Rooney, I think it just showed that it's not the problem isn't entirely him. We need to look a lot deeper than just Wayne Rooney if we want to find the, the cure to England's problems. 
yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I, th- I think Rooney can't be dropped. Not just because of the media action. I, I do genuinely think he's worth his place in the squad. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I don't know why Jesse Lingard started over Rashford, but it was good to see Lingard, Rashford and Rooney be involved. I have absolutely no idea why Gary Cahill was over Chris Smalling, but I mean, and, I mean, that's the one error on Gareth Southgate's CV so far as England manager. The despicable selection of Gary Cahill as an England centre back. Um, but I guess, I guess he can learn. So we've had an accidental week off and since we last spoke to you, the under-18s have had two close matches, one of them decided by a late goal. That was the most recent game, a 1-1 draw against Sunderland as substitute Jack Barrett scored a 90th minute equaliser. It looked as though we would have won it had the game lasted an extra five minutes or so. This was a team without a couple of players like Tahith Chong due to them being on international duty, which we'll move on to a second. Sunderland managed to contain Angel Gomez, probably the best talent at this age group. Um, marking very tightly, which saw him frustrated. So perhaps something to learn from that game for he and a few others. The weekend before that, we beat Middlesbrough 2-1 away from home as DJ Buffonge and Kanye Dijek Roberts scored either side of half-time, the latter with a first goal at this age group. He's not starting a huge amount, so a good confidence boost for Dijek Roberts there. It's also thought that Buffonge was one of three under-18 players to play with the under-23 now behind closed doors game during the international break. Potentially the other two were Roshaw Williams and Ethan Hamilton. At international level, there's been plenty of action for our youngsters as well. Angel Gomez captained England to victory in the Croatia Cup at the very start of the break before returning to United. He scored twice and assisted four times in only three games. Incredible few games there for him as we won a tournament at under-17 level with England. Nishan Burkhart was in action for Switzerland's under-17 side, the striker signed from FC Zurich this summer. While Dean Henderson and Axel Twanzebe both played a game each, although not in the same game, out of England under-20s two games during the international break. Regan Poole played for Wales' under-21 side in a 3-1 win against Armenia, while Thais Chong and Timothy Fossumensa both played for the Netherlands at under-19 level and under-21 level respectively. Chong was the youngest member of the under-19 side at just 16 years old. Leo Connor was involved with Ireland's under-17 side and Ilias Muta Sebfai, the goalkeeper, at United's under-18 level was with Belgium's under-19s. Ethan Hamilton also received a call-up for fixtures later this month for Scotland's under-19 side after recently making his under-23 debut for United and impressing hugely. In transfer news for the under-18, striker Idris Kanu, who had previously been at West Ham, has joined Oldershot Town despite scoring a brace on his trial at United that was a few weeks ago in a 5-1 win. Perhaps he's looking for first-team footballer at an early age than United would ever be uh, willing to oblige to. Um, so potentially a very good move for Idris Kanu, um, getting some first team football and some real game experience at a lower level before working his way up. Maybe he's seen a few other strikers do that. So, the real reason for this weirdly timed episode is the Liverpool game at Anfield on Monday night, and to talk it with us is Liverpool fan Ollie Emerson. Cheers for coming on, good to have you, um, even if you're a Liverpool fan. No, no bother, guys. <laughs> are you looking forward to the game, or are you quite nervous? I'm, looking, I'm definitely looking forward to the end of the international break. Would I like to end it by playing Man United at home? Ideally not, but I think 
especially when you draw into today's before the game, Liverpool Man United is always one that I think both teams and even just the wider football fans around the country start to get excited about because it's such a huge game for everyone. Yeah, I, I I don't know if you see the Everton game as bigger, but for for us, I I, I think for my generation, the Liverpool game is much bigger than the City game. I don't know, it, it varies from generation to generation, like competitiveness. I think definitely for me personally, and I think from what you read on Twitter, speaking to the Liverpool fans, the United game is the, the United game is the one you want to win more and the one you're more sore from losing because I don't know. I don't, it might probably not the case for you now with City because they're such a good team now, but especially in the past, maybe. We sort of get a bit bored of beating Everton. I mean, they haven't beaten us in <laughs> so many games. 4-0, it was the 4-0 at home last season when, um, I don't know if you've seen the vine of, I think Lucas Labour takes a shot from the edge of the area and it was such an easy game that Jürgen Klopp's just pissing himself laughing <laughs> from the bench. Yeah, I think United's the one that you get a lot more worries about and you want to win more because Everton just tends to be sort of that kid brother that you let beat you at table tennis every now and again. But it's not <laughs> that Only we can say about City nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> the, the strange thing about City... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the strange thing about City, the uh, formerly noi- noisy neighbours are now a bit more dangerous than that, is that... I get nervous for City games, whereas Liverpool games I tend to get excited for. So I was at the City game in September, and a build-up to that, I was absolutely terrified. Whereas uh, even the Europa League game I went to uh, last season, the one at Old Trafford, I was excited for that, even though we'd been whipped at Anfield. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I can totally see that. I, especially in the Premier League, our recent record against Liverpool is pretty good. And I think I think that the Man United-Liverpool games generally are, I mean, not not necessarily the, the last couple but generally that's a really really good spectacles and it 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 really it really gets me excited whenever we play Liverpool where like like you say Harry, I guess it's probably probably something that still lingers from the 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 harrowing 6-1 defeat at Old Trafford that I'm always just nervous of City games but Liverpool games like, I get really excited for Liverpool games like I honestly can't wait for Monday's game yeah I I think for the first time in a while I'm quite nervous mainly because of Jurgen Klopp and how you've been playing this season but We've beaten you four times in a row in the league. So your season so far, not entirely consistent. So defeat against Burnley, but they're quite traditional Liverpool in the last few seasons in that you've absolutely whipped some massive teams and then against smaller teams, a few errors have sort of come in. But you do look a real threat this season, particularly without Europe. Um, so so your, your squad, like it was under Brendan Rodgers when he finished second, is going to be well rested for those weekend games. Yeah, I think um, there was a lot of, inc- lot of inconsistency sort of Marvin for over the past few years. And then the one season that we did manage to whip all the smaller teams with Suarez and that infamous 13, 14 title chance, we actually ended up slipping up to some of the bigger teams. But um, I think this year, there was obviously we started the season so well against Arsenal and we should have won that game 4-5-1 rather than 4-3 ended up with. And then, of course, there was the Burnley game, so everyone thinks, oh, has Klopp really changed it enough? Are we back to the old thing? But then, obviously, decent draw away at Spurs after that. But I think it was the um, Hall game a couple of weeks after that really sort of hit home that maybe we can shrug off this um, sort of inconsistency against the small teams. But obviously, Hall's at home, Burnley's away, so we go away to Swansea. That was another challenge. Played probably our worst, our worst 45 minutes of football this season in the first 45 minutes. Managed to change things around in the second half and get the three points, which I think is really crucial and might just give us add a bit of confidence against the smaller teams, especially if our backs are down, which inevitably you're going to get against the smaller teams. The Tony Pulis is that David Moyes is in the division. You're going to get times where your backs are down, but maybe now they've got that confidence to uh, 
just see those out, and it might be what makes a difference between the full being in the sixth, seventh, eighth, and the all the first, seconds, thirds this season. Yeah, I bet you not miss David Moyes managing us. <laughs> that was that was the one that they, that three 0 Old Trafford was one of the most enjoyable games to watch from Liverpool's perspective because Liverpool dominated that game, but to still have the fume winning it through two Steven Gerrard penalties was. Perfect. <laughs> Could have scored so many good goals in that game, but nah, we'll have, the, we'll have a couple of jail penalties. We'll have Joe Allen falling over after a fly for a slight breeze. Oh, is that like, I miss David. I miss David Lewis. <laughs> I mean, it's the, the, some of the recent games have been have been quite weird in that sense. Like, even though we do have a, a good recent record against Liverpool, you've actually dominated us in quite a lot of the recent games. Um, even even our um, our three one win at Old Trafford under Van Gaal, that game was not a, it, it was not as one sided as three one suggests by any means. Liverpool had. So many chances in that game. I, 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 I seem to remember that was the game that Hay had, had one of the best games I've ever seen from a goalkeeper. Um, and then last season we had the, the smashing grab against Am- uh, Amfield as well, where we really did not deserve to win that game at all. Um, but that was the most painful, yeah. Of course, because yeah, we've had, under Van Gaal, you were, te- you tend to be better against the big teams at times. And there were games, sort of the 3 1 last season, we attacked well, defend. Anthony Marshall gave Nathaniel Klein's worst game ever in a Liverpool shirt, but the 1-0 was the most disappointing because it was Jurgen Klopp's first game against Man United. We'd had some decent wins before that, and we had, we did that. I thought we had, did outplay that day and missed some good chances, and then De Gea made some wonderful saves, and of course up at the other end it's Wayne Rooney scoring the winner, which just rubs salt in the wounds that little bit more. That was my first Anfield away day. Yeah, oh, I'm immensely satisfied. Um, all right, let's move on to the, the future game instead of looking back at. Uh, well, each of us are sort of reminiscing about our victories, not the other sides, I guess. Um, the first full season for Klopp, Mourinho's first season at United. Yeah, Klopp's only lost once out of five meetings with Mourinho. Are you confident that Klopp, uh, in terms of matching Mourinho's game plan, is good enough to match his game? Because Mourinho's probably best attribute has often been particularly in the Champions League being able to match another team's attributes in terms of so he'll find a way or previously he would have found a way to combat Klopp's high press we're yet to see if he's still got that ability but do you think Klopp has that same ability or are you hoping to see that Liverpool are thinking that they're good enough to beat us whatever we do? In terms of one-off games like I said Jose Mourinho is one of the best, if not the best manager in the world, especially those one-off games. And I think Klopp's maybe more of a, not so good at the one-off game, but perhaps more adjusting to play the bigger team. So it might largely depend on how Man United play. So if you come at us, which I'm not necessarily expecting you to do, but if you do, he'll have a plan to say, when good teams come at us, this is how we pick them off and we've done that. It will be interesting, like you said, to see whether or not if Mourinho does his speciality, sits back, looks to grab one counter against another big team, how we will respond to that. I think we've got the cause of two, definitely. And I think we will have the game plan too, but because of these huge games, it can come down to the sort of finest margin of error. Uh, it could be that sort of one mistake, one save, one brilliant goal that does separate it because the two managers are so good and well matched up to each other so well. Who is that player for you at the moment? Coutinho, Firmino? Um... To, to make the difference. Yeah. Um, Roberto Firmino, I would say, is arguably Liverpool's most efficient player. But I think when you're looking at for one moment of magic to win a game, I think Coutinho is still the main man in that, that aspect. He gets berated for the 
number of long shots takes from distance, but he does back it up by having scored the most from outside the area since I think it's the start of 2015. So, and of course we saw what he did when our backs were against the wall. Old Trafford in that Europa League semi-final, uh, sorry, quarter the last 16 game. Um, so yeah, he's the, he's the one that I think if some, if everything's not going your way, he can change the game in an instant. So I think for me, you know, sort of more of a player to lead the charge when you're dominating the opponent and he, it's because of him. But if our backs are against the wall, we need a moment of quality. I think Coutinho is going to be that man. I think Sadio Mane might, might deserve a mention in, in that as well. He, he's been a brilliant signing so far for Liverpool. Um, settled in so quickly. I really didn't expect him to, to fit so well in, into Klopp's system, but he's, he's enjoying a, a brilliant spell of form. I think he's exactly the kind of player that can offer our defence a lot of worries because his pace is electrifying. And we do not fare well against the counter-attack against a lot of teams. Especially if we play a Pogba and Herrera in midfield. Two midfielders who, who don't, who aren't shy from getting forward and maybe don't have the defensive capabilities of someone like Schneiderlin. So I think if we go with that midfield again, it, it, Sadio Mane could, could also cause us a lot of problems. For us, Jack, who do you see as that, that game changer? Uh, Rashford, Slatan? Yeah, I think, I think Rashford and Slatan are probably the two main candidates there. Um, I think Rashford, Rashford more, more so in that he can change the, the momentum of a game, um, maybe, maybe doesn't have the, the quality as of, as of yet to, to do it all himself, but I just, I just think some of his moments, some of his, some of his, his jinking runs or even some, some of the runs that he makes off the ball, they create so much space. And I think he, come on, if he, if he doesn't start, he may well start as he had that, as he has done recently. I hope he does. If he doesn't start, he's really someone that can come on and change the momentum of the game. But I think if we're looking for a moment of magic, I think it has to be Zlatan. Um, We've we've seen already since he's come to Man United that he's capable of, of special special things, and he's done that throughout his career. Where there are just moments of, of genius, and I think he's the kind of player that doesn't need uh, he doesn't he doesn't need a, a particularly clear cut chance. He can make a chance about absolutely nothing, and that's where I think he he's going to be key in, in the game against Liverpool because I can see it being quite a scrappy affair with not not too many chances. We really need Zlatan to be firing on all cylinders if if we want to come out on top. Yeah, he hasn't been as clinical as we first thought he would be in the last few games. So the Stoke game, which we in the end didn't get to do an episode on, but we we should have scored six and we scored one. Um, it that game he could have been more clinical. Uh, Feyenoord he could have been much more clinical. But then the Leicester game, that finish. I mean, yes, it was a a virtually open goal. There were a couple of defenders in the way, but that finish. I mean, to get your foot up that high with that power and that technique is astonishing. And that's the kind of ability that he has. And I think this is his worst scoring run in more than a year and a half or something. It's ridiculous. But, I mean, he hasn't, he's only scored, not scored for like four four or five games or something. Um, so I, I think moment of magic is him. But then Paul Pogba just come out of the international break having scored a, an absolute stunner from long range for France. So, I mean, we we haven't seen it yet, but... I guess Pogba and Rashford are more the kind of player who's going to get... I mean, we're away from home, so it doesn't apply as much, but are going to get the crowd going, perhaps make Anfield a bit nervous because some of Rashford's moments, some of those dribbles that don't end up with a goal. And the same with Pogba, some of those little flicks just... I mean, give the team a bit of confidence and give the United fans a bit of confidence. Probably applies more at home, but still away from home. It, it, it has some relevance. Yeah, I think I think this is a, this is a really big game for Pogba. I think because not only obviously he's had a slow start, uh, United um, have been well documented in almost every, every way possible. But I think this is a really big game because he needs to prove he needs to prove his worth to this team. Um, obviously now against the um, Jordan up against Jordan Henderson, who's in great form, 
rewarded, rightly so, with captaincy of England um, against Slovenia yesterday, although didn't, the result didn't go the way we wanted. But I think Pogba really needs to show his, show his worth against Liverpool because this is the kind of stage that he was born for. This is the kind of stage where he needs to start justifying that price tag and justifying all the hype around him. Because we know, we know what he's capable of. We know he's such a special talent. And he needs to start producing because he's had a slow start. He, he's, he's settling in, whatever, you know, there's not a lot of new players at the club that he needs time to gel. But when you pay that much for a player, you want them to hit, to hit the ground running. And we need to see that from Pogba now. And there is no bigger stage than Man United against Liverpool, especially at Anfield for a Man United player. And he, if he needs to be stepping up on stages like this. So for him, this is a perfect opportunity to show the world just how good he is. Oli, uh, what what kind of team can we expect from you? I think Klein and Lovren are set to come back, but Lallana and Wijnaldum are doubts for the for Monday. Yeah, that's right. So um, the goalkeeper Karras is probably going to continue. There's been a few saying, "Oh, he looks a bit shaky. Shall we drop him?" Uh, doesn't look like it's going to happen. I don't want it to happen. It's not going to happen, thankfully. Back four, like you said, Klein should be fit to come back in, and that's a good thing because we've literally, apart from Trent Alexander Arnold, is a very promising but very young right back. We've got not really got any proper right back cover. Uh, Matic will be one of the centre-backs and it's likely to be Lovren coming back from injury alongside him even though uh, Clavan and Matic did look fairly good last time they played with each other but yeah, Lovren should be fit uh, James, penalty hero, Milner will continue at left-back so hopefully he'll get a penalty so his defensive quality is not exposed which I've got a feeling there will be at some point and then moving to midfields where the doubt lies Henderson will start and then... Lallana and Wijnaldum are the big injury doubts. So Lallana missed the international break, as you'll know. He has been training to an extent this week, but it does seem doubtful he'll come back. And Wijnaldum is reportedly having a scan today after going off the other night against France, clutching his hamstring in the game where Pogba scored that goal. I don't think he's going to be fit because it you sort of get that feel, get that look of sometimes a player will go off clutching a hamstring and just something in your mind will go, right, three weeks. That's the thing I got. And even if it's a few days, he's probably still going to be out. So we'd like to see Emre Chan return to the midfield uh, if one of those two's out. And if they're both out, uh, there's a couple of options. Either Coutinho could drop back in centre midfield, as he did against Swansea, uh, leaving Mane, who will start, Firmino, who will start, and Sturridge, who may start as the front three. Or Coutinho could go in for Sturridge with Firmino moving into the centre. And if they're both out, we could see Henderson, Chan, and maybe Lucas, which is, I think is unlikely. We might see Marco Gritch. He's a very promising youngster, came in in January, but only actually moved in the summer. Looked very good in pre-season, he's not had many minutes so far competitively. But I personally think that Lallana will just about make it, and we'll see uh, Chan, Lallana and Henderson in the midfield, with Mane, Coutinho and Firmino making it up front three. Although I would not be against Coutinho in midfield with Chan, Henderson and then Daniel Sturridge moving up, but I don't think we'll see it on Monday night. I'd, I'd love to see Lucas Leiva play, I have to say. Yeah, and I hate it. You're very, you're very right to say that. Jack, uh, what kind of team are you hoping for? I was thinking Valencia uh, and Shaw to come back at left back instead of Daily Blind with Eric Bay and Daily Blind at centre backs. Yep, uh, yeah, I agree with that. I, I Blind and uh, Blind and Bay definitely played well enough when they were together to to keep that spot down. And as long as Luke Shaw returns from injury, which it looks like he, he should do, then he, he definitely should come back straight straight back into the team. My midfield three, Carrick, Herrera, Pogba. This is where the, the controversy lies in every United team selection so far this season. What do you think? Yeah, um, this is where it gets, it gets tricky. Um, I'd say that definitely Herrera and Pogba for me. 
Um, I would also go with a three-man midfield. And then, for me, it comes down to a choice between Schneiderlin and Carrick. Uh, I don't think we need, yeah. I don't think we need Fellaini in this game. Liverpool aren't the kind of team that are going to be pumping a lot long balls forward and we need control of this game. We don't need someone in the midfield who's prone to giving the ball away as much as Fellaini. I think I would go with Schneiderlin purely because I think with the dynamism that Liverpool have in this field, I don't think Carrick would, would be able to cope with it too well. Um, so I, I would start Schneiderlin, Herrera and Pogba in midfield. Yeah, I consider Schneiderlin. Um, mainly because he hasn't played recently and because just Carrick's composure in a game like this is very important. But to be honest, I think he'll play Fellaini, uh, which always seems to happen. Um, and, and the front three, I went with Rashford, Zlatan, Mata. Fun fact about Mata, uh, he's created five goals in his last four appearances against Liverpool. Wow, that is, that is some stat. Uh yeah, I might have changed your mind now. <laughs> to be fair, I, I was just thinking that that then um, he has had some brilliant performances against Liverpool recently. Especially that, sorry to bring this up on him, but that amazing goal at Anfield um, that ended yeah, our I, top four hopes for the season. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think yeah, I, I would go with the same front three as uh, Harry. I think I, I, I'd like to say I, I want Martial to start, but he really hasn't done enough this season to warrant a place in the starting lineup, and I think. Rashford has been playing so well, you can't really keep him out of this team. And of course, Ibrahimovic really picks himself. So the same front three. Wouldn't surprise me to see Martial come on at some point. And, you know, the whole Wayne Rooney dilemma. I mean, it's not really that much of a dilemma anymore. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't think Rooney deserves to start. He didn't play well enough for England. Obviously, highly publicised that he got dropped. But he really hasn't done enough to warrant a start in, a start in this game. And this is not the kind of game where we... Where we can afford to pick him because just because he's the captain, and I don't think Mourinho will do that. Yep, and I, I also think the the trio of Mata Herrera Carrick, or just Mata Herrera in your starting lineup um, under Liverpool's high press, could help a lot because rather than have a, a pacey forward like Martial, and I do struggle to leave Martial purely because of that goal last season um, on his debut. We're reminding Oli of a lot of bad moments here. Um, uh, Martin Silas. Completely unbiased, fantastic commentary. <laughs> uh, one of the finest pieces of commentary in Premier League history. I, I, I think that that trio of Herrera, Carrot, Matter will help massively, just in terms of being able to control the game and forcing Liverpool to stop pressing and perhaps sit back slightly. I know it, it's hard to make them do that because they're so good at what they do, but I think that trio could help. Um, Ollie, before we let you go, uh, final predictions for this? Uh, I'm going to be positive and despite recent form in the league against you lot and say that Liverpool will win I think they'll score because our defence isn't very good but I think our attack will be too good not to score at least twice so I'm going to say a 2-1 win with a James Milner penalty added in but uh, just a bit of added fume on your part (laughs) I'm going to go with since you said you think you'll score two I'm going 3-2 United I've 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 just made that up, but I rush Rashford <laughs> to score twice. Oh no! Imagine the scenes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that would confirm his status as the greatest Premier League strike of all time. You'd probably give him the captain's armband there, and then if he did score two at Anfield, I would happily make him England player manager right now. <laughs> I think a statue outside Old Trafford would be more appropriate if he did that. I think that would be necessary. Yeah, a statue outside Anfield. <laughs> Just in respect, <laughs> um, Jack, your prediction. I'm going to go somewhere in the middle. I'm going to I'm going to say a two all draw. Everyone's expecting goals, so nil nil. <laughs> yeah, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of agree with Oli. I think there'll be at least one penalty in the game. There's been more red cards in this game than any other except the Merseyside derby. I mean, uh, quite a few of them have been Nemanja Vidic, but... Oh, yeah, let's, let's not go back there. Yeah, I mean, t- the Torres days are... Vidic was probably the best centre-back in the world for a few years, except uh, twice a year when he played them. <laughs> except when he played against Fernando Torres. Oli, thank you very much for coming on. So we've got a few questions this week, or from last week, but we've carried them over. Colin at Rojanaldo asked, would you keep the same starting eleven against Liverpool or change something? Uh, we've just answered that with Oli Emerson. We'd say we'd change something, bring Luke Shaw back in. Not for Daily Blind, but in Daily Blind's left-back position with Blind at centre-back alongside Eric Bailly. Jack at J underscore B-H-A-F-C says, where will Wayne Rooney be playing his football next season? I think he'll still beat United. Unless we have a remarkable season without really playing a role at all, um, I can't really see Mourinho selling him next summer. I guess any deal would be seen as too little anyway, because I don't think it would be anything above 10 million. I don't know, it's such a big name player, but I can't see anyone paying that much for him, which is strange. Even China, I don't think they'd pay the same as for another big name player. I think what might end up happening with Rooney is that he'll see out his contract at United and then end up leaving on a free and go to either America or China. because. I can't see, as you, as you said, it doesn't really make sense for United to, to just sell him because no one will pay a particularly high fee now. I can't see him playing anywhere else in England. And I think it, it just seems like the accepted route now almost. And people are coming to the end of their career, but they don't want to quite retire yet. That seems like the way to go. I, th- I think we could see him at Celtic. I don't know. Yeah? I, th- I think that'd be quite a nice end to his career. Whether they want him or not, I have no idea. Uh, sorry, any Celtic fans, if you hate Wayne Rooney. But, I mean, he, I think he's got an affection for Celtic um, being an Irish scouse I, I don't think he'll go back to Everton he won't go anywhere else in England but yeah I think he'll either go to Scotland I, d- I genuinely don't know if he'll move abroad not abroad to Scotland abroad to Asia or America just because he has such a young family and he seems to be very settled where he is uh, part part of the reason I think we should keep him next season is because Carrick's quite likely to leave at the end of the season, so we then have no one left from the the true Fergie era. I don't mean like Phil Jones. I mean like, <laughs> like a proper uh, a proper Sir Alex Ferguson player, and Rooney and Carrick are the only ones. And also, it's good to retain one of those characters, but also we don't have many leaders in this side apart yeah. from Rooney and Zlatan. And Zlatan might be in his final year then, or will have left. Um, we don't quite know yet. And if Rooney goes and Carrick goes, then the biggest leader on our side is Smalling. Yeah, it's true. It, there is a distinct lack of leaders. And I think it, it almost needs a couple of years for those those kind of people to to really develop into leaders. You look at the likes of De Gea, Smalling, potentially Pogba, I guess. Um, and, and they're the they're kind of the next generation of leaders, but they haven't had enough time to really develop that trait yet. So we need someone like Rooney to just have that presence in the squad. Next question. Uh, we've got two in a row from Brandon Sire at Brandon Sire 1. First, with the rumours of Matteo Damian and Memphis Depay leaving in January, do we need to bring some players in? This is about suggestions that Damian has agreed a loan deal with Inter Milan to go through in January. I would be an advocate of this deal. Uh, I think it was a low deal with an option to buy in future. 
We haven't really given Derby in a second chance, but I don't think there's the opportunity for a second chance now. Do I think we need players if we let Derby go? Mm, I think it would be nice to have another right back, but Valencia's performing well so far. Uh, a, a top quality right back in January will cost you 30 or 40 million. So whether you want to fork out that much in a mid-season transfer window when they're not going to settle properly till the end of the season is, is another matter. Yeah, if it's going to be anyone, be bring anyone in in January, I assume it would be as almost a, a replacement for the replacement right back, if that makes sense. It would be someone to to still be below Valencia in the pecking order. But I'm not really <laughs> sure who would want to move in January for just to fulfil that role. I mean, we are limited with options at right back. I guess the only option after Valencia or Damian is Fosu Mensa. I guess Smalling at a push could play there. Um, but hasn't hasn't done so in in quite a while. I I, I am a, I am an advocate for the Darmian deal. Um, as you as you said, maybe not in January, but if if that's the timeline that it, that it needs to happen by, then so be it. All right, final question. Um, another one about transfer windows or potential transfer windows. Brandon says, with Eric Bay going to the Africa Cup of Nations in January, what would you do to replace him? Yeah, tough question. It's something that we we don't normally do we, we seem to uh not not have had many african players over the years um uh, i think it will end up i don't think we'll, we i can't see us buying anyone just because i don't think Mourinho we need to we obviously still have smalling and blind um assuming that rojo doesn't leave which would be great we, we would still have rojo so he could alarmingly still fill in at center back Please, God, no. No, I'm being a bit harsh. I'm being a bit harsh in Rojo there. He's not that bad. I think we, we would still have enough options at, at centre-back without without Bailly. Um Obviously, he is probably our first choice centre-back at the moment, so it would be a, a, a big blow to the team. But with the defensive injuries that we've had in the last few years, I think we can cope with about anything right now. I would very much support a, a decision to let Marcus Rojo leave the club. I, I think he's OK at centre-back. It's at left-back where he's truly astonishingly bad. He, he can't attack or defend at left-back. Which leaves you thinking, what can he do? Because that's all their left back does. Um, I don't, I, I don't know why we let Borthwick Jackson go out on loan if we go, we were going to need to back up left back this much. At the time, it seemed quite sensible, but we've used Rojo so much, it seems like we should have kept Borthwick yeah. Jackson. Anyway, um, that's a discussion for another time. That's all we have time for on Series 2, Episode 10 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at, at UTD Weekly Pod and Jack at, at UTD Takes T-A-I-T and me at, at Harry Robinson 64. Thanks for listening, as always, and um, I suppose it's goodbye. Um, in, enjoy the game on Monday. I'll, I'll probably be quite nervous. Goodbye. Podcast Network.